listener production. I'd like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the Gadigal land of the Eora Nations and their lands, waters and skies. I acknowledge that the First Nations are the first lawmakers and that sovereignty across this ancient continent has never been ceded. Welcome, this is Black Matters, a podcast that is about First Nations matters and why they matter. I'm Teela Reid, First Nations land rights lawyer, Wiradjuri Wailwan woman, and I'm here with my old friend MC from the Hit Network. Today, we're going to go deeper into the voice, what it is all about and why it matters, the new wording, and talk about the Liberals' formal opposition to it. Now, on the last episode, we spoke about the Uluru Statement from the Heart, which I guess was a really important step to getting us where we are right now with a referendum question and hopefully a date just down the road. Before we move on quickly, uh, for those that, that missed the last episode or still not quite too sure, sum up what the Uluru Statement from the Heart is. So the Uluru Statement from the Heart is like a petition, a call to action, an invitation to the people of Australia to walk with us, the First Nations peoples, towards voice and makarata. And so, yeah, at the very heart and soul of it, it's a call to action. It's a call to, you know, rather than just say good things or do an acknowledgement of country, It's a call to change the systems in our nation so that we can create substantive change for First Nations peoples. And what's the relation then between the Uluru Statement from our heart and how it got us to this point with a voice, fingers crossed, being enshrined in the Constitution? Well, I can absolutely say what has got us to this point is the people of Australia, the listeners. But what makes the Uluru Statement from the Heart so different is that we went straight to the Australian people. We didn't walk down to Canberra as a first point call of action and hand that over to, you know, at that point in time, the Prime Minister was Malcolm Turnbull, when you think about, you know, how long this movement has been. So the voice where we're at right now is obviously a slightly different approach to where we've been before, as you've mentioned, instead of going to the pollies and just trusting they do the right thing. It's going directly to the people of Australia saying, come with us on this journey. There's been lots of toing and froing, back and forth. What is the voice? What isn't the voice? What will the voice do? How much power will it have? How much influence will it have? When you boil it down to make this really simple and easy to understand, what will the voice be and what purpose will it serve? It's very simple. The voice, once it passes a referendum, a double majority of the Australian people vote yes and enshrine it in the constitution. Explain the double majority for those that don't understand how a referendum works. So in order for a referendum to pass... It requires a majority of the people of Australia and a majority of the states. Right. So the threshold is high in trying to amend the Australian constitution. High or not easy? It's, the threshold is high, and which means it's not easy. Because in the history of referendums, how many have passed? And there's been plenty. Only eight of 44 have passed which in Australia's crazy. history. Yeah. So we're not even in double digits yet. Mm. However, that being said, in 1967, um, that was the most successful referendum in Australian history. And which nine, was? To change the race power so that federal parliament could make laws with respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So the last time a referendum was put to the people in regards to 
First Nations people, big old tick, which we're hoping will happen when we go and vote later this year. So The Voice, what is it? The Voice is a very simple proposition. It will be a representative body that will represent the interests of the different First Nations communities and it'll be a mechanism. So it's going to be the idea of setting up the voice in the constitution enables a principle and enables the self-determination of the First Nations. So a lot of people have been concerned about this voice and whatever this looks like in its final form. Oh, they're going to have the power to do this. They're going to have the power to do that. What what you're saying to me, I I think, is that really... All we're asking for here is these elected peoples to sit with Parliament and give them an opinion and a point of view that perhaps they haven't had in decision-making that affect predominantly First Nations people. We think, as First Nations people, is that we can create better laws if we're at the table. And I think that makes complete common sense. If you have the people at the table who you're making laws about... I don't know why why that would be a smart decision. So it's not like these people are going to come in, whoever they are, and they're going to have the power to make sweeping changes. It's just to be there and essentially collaborate. Yeah. That's, That's pretty much it. At the end of the day, First Nations peoples can elect who they want to speak about those issues. And it's not just handpicked by the government, Mm -hmm. which we've seen time after time after time. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we reached our next milestone in this journey towards the referendum and hopefully a First Nations voice being enshrined in the constitution. And that was the wording of the question, uh, which came from a very emotional Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. Here's, Here's the exact wording what we'll all be voting yes or no for. It will read, a proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this proposed alteration? So I've got two questions in relation to what Albo said. I'll get to the actual question itself and is it what you were hoping for? But forgetting that, how did it feel watching Albo deliver that? In the context of the prime ministers with which Australians have gotten used to and how what they embody, this kind of um, public figure, often with very little emotion, that was perhaps a turning point for our nation where we actually got to see a real person with some emotion um, behind their politics. Mm -hmm. And while I think it was an important display to the people of Australia that, you know, we have a leader that cares about this issue, I had some hesitation in watching it. Okay. Just because because this was the moment you had been waiting for for so long and there was so much anticipation, hoping, crossing fingers that whatever he was about to say was what you'd been waiting for? Well, I call that day the politician's day. Right. To me, that's the day there was this big Malay in Canberra. Look at us go. Look at us go. Hey, we're listening to the people somewhat. Aren't we great? So to me, that day is the politician's day where, you know, there was lots of different headlines after that. Albo got to display his emotional plea Mm -hmm. to the nation, but it also became very real to me that there's a long way to go between that politician's day they had in Canberra and what I would call the people's day, which will be the day we go to the ballot box to actually vote 
at this referendum because you have to think about this as well. It hasn't been Albo out here rounding up, you know, Australians. It's been everyday blackfellas like yep. me and many others, I should say, activists and advocates on the ground doing the grunt work. Even Albo said himself on that day, this issue has to be above politics. This is too important for the nation for this now to succeed. It should be a debate based on the facts. Yep. And my response to that would be this. The facts are the Uluru Statement from the Heart calls for, I quote, a First Nations voice to parliament enshrined in the constitution. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the question again and then I want you to tell me how those two things are different. So the question that we'll be asked to answer is this. A proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this proposed alteration? Well, that's the question. Do you have the amendment there in front of you? If a majority of Australians vote in favour of the voice, here's something I prepared earlier, the constitution would be amended as follows. There shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. The Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice may make representations to the parliament and the executive government of the Commonwealth on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. The parliament shall, subject to this constitution, have the power to make laws with respect to matters relating to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice, including its composition, functions, powers and procedures. Where is that different from what the Uluru Statement from the Heart was calling? In the amendment, the words First Nations voice is not, not mentioned used. once. So what's the difference? Isn't a First Nations voice or First Nations people the same as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander? How, how are those two things differently? Because a lot of people will go, oh, it's just semantics. It's saying the same thing using different but words. But if that's the case, then why wouldn't they just go with First Nations? So in their mind, why why haven't they gone First Nations? Because of vanity and polls telling them to do something different? What, like Partly, and it's just not a cabinet preference. I don't understand why it would be an issue. I don't understand why. So they want this to win. For First Nations people, they want it to be First Nations people because that's what they identify themselves as. That's, that's the that's, mandate. That's who we are. Well, there's two different issues. The first issue, it's important because those are the words written into your Uluru Statement. That is the only mandate any campaigner has. Mm-hmm. If you're to take it quite literally, yep. when we went to the people of Australia, well, the invitation was the Uluru Statement. Yep. That's the language. So that's why it's important. And th- there's no legal implication with that. So we know as lawyers that there is absolutely no negative consequence to Australia generally for actually having those words enshrined. So legally, it's, it's a sound term. The issue is where it's gone a bit messy is when the government and other pollsters have tried to determine then for themselves what's winnable, what's political. Mm. It's a political choice. So they're only concerned with winning not what they're trying to win. Oh, yeah, no one wants this to fail. It, the- it almost sounds like, like in part it's, I mean, it's not as, like it's a vanity project. Whatever whatever is shiny and nice is what they're going with because yeah. they want it to be all squeaky clean. Yeah, 
And for the sake of transparency, you know, I think this is one of the things Australians should know when they make this informed choice. I just choice. don't understand why it's an no. issue, to be brutally honest. I don't understand why anyone and would so- care that it said First Nations. Why that? Why that would? Like, why would that be an issue? If that's if that's from the document that has begun this movement, and that's what First Nations people self-determine themselves as being, why would we? Isn't isn't because isn't the point of this voice to Parliament to do away with? non-Indigenous people telling Indigenous people how, what, where, why, yet that's kind of what's happening even here. So back to my hesitation, it's around the understanding of the compromise being made on the language. Which I guess is probably why, as you said before, you've got this apprehension with what happened with Albo giving us the wording of the referendum because recent history tells us we've been in situations similar to this and, as you put it, the politicians had their day last time around but the people never got their day to follow. Let's let's go to the other side of politics, if that's OK, because um, great mate opposition leader, Peter Dutton. Obviously, you know, the Libs had the chance to be on the same side as Labor and support them through this. But Peter Dutton comes out and he says this. There was a resounding no to the Prime Minister's Canberra voice. Uh, Having a Canberra voice is not going to resolve the issues on the ground in Indigenous communities. We want to make sure that we can get the best possible outcomes for Indigenous Australians. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I thought that this was a First Nations voice, or at very least, as Albo said in the amendments to the Constitution, an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. What's 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 Canberra voice? What's what's why is he saying Canberra voice? So the point is, look, I think that the Liberals will be left on the wrong side of history with this move. They're really reflecting an old Australia that that a lot of people like us, millennials, the new generation through, we're just not buying into it anymore. So what's the reason, as you understand, for the Liberals not supporting the voice to Parliament? I think it would not matter what the words are supporting a substantive reform like a First Nations voice or an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. It doesn't matter how much detail black fellas give them or the Prime Minister gives them, there will always be an excuse to say no. Because he said things like he's been out on country and he's spoken to, you know, black fellas out in the community and, and they're worried that this voice won't represent us. It'll represent, you know, mob in the big towns and the big cities. So- it's totally lip service and he has misrepresented... Um, who he has alleged to have spoken to because I certainly know some of the communities post that presser. Um, For example, the Palm Island community have come out and said, he's wrong. He, He did speak to us, but he misrepresented what we were saying. We are for the voice. We want self determination for our communities. And the irony is this. Dutton attempting to speak on behalf of those communities is precisely the problem that is wrong. Because <laughs> that that's that appears to be the concern. And again, maybe it's just um, politicising a conversation that, that this voice won't represent the people it's meant, meant to represent. But as I understand it from our conversations, this is going to be a collaborative process yeah. 
you know, it's not just going to be someone from Sydney or someone from Melbourne that's going to be, it's going to be an elected person and it's going to be all nations having their say on how this will look in its final form. Yeah, and it's just dishonest advocacy. Mm. You know, calls for detail about the voice and what it might look like. In fact, those are questions for Parliament. Parliament have the power to determine all of the questions that Dutton has been banging on about, um, wanting to know, because some can be answered before referendum, you know, such as the amendment and the question. Yep. But what the details of that might look like are going to be in legislation after. And that'll be totally up to a process where we have both First Nations communities and parliament working together on this. Before we wrap up, how bad is it for the Yes campaign and and Labor that the Liberals and Dutton have gone out and taken this stance? Keeping in mind that there are already a bunch of Libs that are jumping ship because they don't Mm. agree with the party stance. Is this bad news for the Yes campaign or, as you said before, will will this just prove that the Liberal Party will sit on the wrong side of history and we're going to leave them behind? I think it's clear with, you know, like Julian Lisa leaving the front bench, who was the shadow minister for Indigenous Australians. He wants to campaign, yes, and has relinquished that position in order to do so. We're going to see the momentum only grow from here on out. This issue appeals to most Australians across the political spectrum. It does not matter if you're left Right, or somewhere in between. Australians really care about this issue. Politicians are playing political football, just like Dutton walked out on the apology to the stolen generations. He has proven he's going to walk out in the voice. And I think day after day, Australians will keep accepting the invitation at the heart of the Uluru Statement. And I I absolutely believe that the referendum will, will succeed. What would you say to Peter Dutton if you had the chance? He walks into this room knowing his stance, knowing his party's stance. Literally, if he walked in this room, he would not be worth my breath in arguing or trying to persuade him. That is one thing I've learned with advocacy is you do not waste your time on people that are so far to the right or even sometimes so far to the left, they're not worth your breath. We have to keep mobilising that bigger centre of awesome Australians and First Nations peoples that give a shit. And they're the people I'm interested in talking to. That's why we're having this podcast. As we continue on this journey to what will be an historic and important day, we'll chat more about what's happening in the lead up to the referendum on the next episode of Black Matters. Before we get out of here, last week we launched a new segment. It's called Word of the Week because certainly in our days when we went to school, you learnt next to nothing about First Nations history. What I thought we could do each and every week is introduce a First Nations word. Last week it was Yalu, the Wiradjuri word for goodbye. Yes. What have we got this week? This week we have Gariala. Gariala is a Wiradjuri word that means speak the truth, do truth, be truth. And I think in part of this process moving forward and just, I think, everyday life. It's so important to Gariala to live your truth. There we go. Gariala, our word of the week. All right, that's it. We're done. We'll chat to you next episode on Black Matters. Yalu. Yeah,